0: And uh, in the days of my youth, my mother and stepfather would take me to tractor pools. The pools were later in the day, so for four hours before it, we would walk around and look at hundreds of antique tractors. Uh, very early on in the day, I would just suddenly decide that I'm, I'm done walking and I would demand to be carried. Uh, my whole body would just go limp and I would fall on the ground like string spaghetti. <laughs> this was a normal thing for me. And my stepfather would just pick me up and and walk me around. Oh, how great the days of youth were. In the days of my youth, I would get paid for losing teeth. In In the days of my youth, I would ride in grocery carts through stores. In the days of my youth, I would celebrate my birthday at Chuck E. Cheese. Now, none of those things sound weird to you. None of those things sound weird to you because I inserted the word youth. Kids can do things that adults just can't. Now, if I said in my 20s, my stepdad would carry me around. Or in my 30s, I would ride in grocery carts through stores. Or in my late teens, 18 and 19, I would celebrate my birthday at Chuck E. Cheese. Now, something would be wrong with that. What's normal for kids to do could be creepy if an adult does it. Uh, Standing by your parents' bed. Staring and waiting for them to wake up. That's normal for kids. But as an adult, if you do it, I'm, I'm questioning your mental state. Thinking you may need to live in a room with uh, padded walls. Uh, wearing a Spider-Man costume and going around webbing people. Pew, pew, pew. That, that's normal for kids. But if you, as an adult, came in church this morning dressed in that costume, I'd be like, security, security. Um, I'm going to need you to tase that guy right away. (laughs) How you define the word youth is important. For instance, um, personal story, in my youth I would walk around naked. This was a a common experience for me. Uh, Clothes were restricting and I wasn't ashamed of my body. Uh, My given name sounded feminine, so that's why I changed it. If you're wondering what it is, um, you'll never know. But the other kids used to say, you have, a, you have a girl's name. And I would show them that I wasn't a girl. It didn't matter where I was. In a store, uh, in preschool, at a birthday party, I would just strip down and yell, I'm a man. <laughs> now, that's normal for youth. Uh, if it's not, don't tell me. Just let me go on thinking that was normal. Uh, that story isn't as concerning to you because I said I was youth. And you define youth as a four-year-old or a five-year-old. But what if I said what I mean by the word youth is mid-30s? Now, that's very different and an uncomfortable picture. You're not proud to say, hey, that's one of my pastors. Uh, The point, not fully understanding what the word youth means can cause confusion. If you misdefine the word youth in our passage, you will miss the point of the text. You will miss what God has for you in the text. You will say something like, I'm not 5 or 15, so this text doesn't apply to me. I'm not a youth. Well, the Bible is more flexible with the term youth than we are. Paul told Timothy, let no one despise your youth. Some scholars believe Timothy was in his late 30s to early 40s at that time. So here's what that means for you. If you are age 5 to 12, when you hear the word youth today, it refers to you. If you're a teenager, when you hear the word youth in the passage, this refers to you. If you're in your 20s or 30s or maybe just crossed over 40 and you read the word youth, that's talking about you. If you're age 5 to 42, let's just do a little survey. How many of you are from age 5 to 42? Would you, would you raise your hand? Okay, that's many of you. This entire passage is about youth, and it's talking about you. Now, if you are 44, 45, 46, or a lot older, the word youth doesn't refer to you. So just sit back and listen as I talk about how dumb all these other people are. No, I'm I'm, I'm teasing. The word youth doesn't refer to you, but we do have something in the text that does refer to you. You're going to recognize it right away. It's a, it's a metaphor of an old busted up, beat up, broken down house falling to the ground. And that's describing what happens to your body in old age. <laughs> Lots of pleasant stuff in the text and I can't wait to dive in. So let's do it. Verse 7. Light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. One of the common graces God bestows on all of us is the sun, light, vitamin D. Uh, We all get a taste of it. Now granted, some cities don't see as much sun, uh, like London, England, uh, certain towns in Alaska, or Glasgow, Scotland, or Seattle, Washington. But when they do see the sun, it's a good day. Their eyes long to see the sun. My eyes uh, want to retire in the sun. My eyes were built for Florida or Arizona or some sunny island light is sweet to me this word sweet is used in scripture to describe the taste of honey in judges 14 the thrill of a kiss in song of solomon 2 the enjoyment of god's word in psalm 19 many things in life are sweet uh, the soft fold of skin on a chubby baby's legs the the sound of a bat hitting a baseball right at the sweet spot Uh, The Duke Blue Devils and the Kentucky Wildcats missing the March Madness tourney. Just sweet things. But the sweetest of all is light. The sun throwing out beams of joy on your face. With the rising of the sun, you're granted another glorious day to live. Savor it. Soak it up. Enjoy it. The author is saying, being young is like living in springtime. Everything comes alive, there's brightness among us. But watch him flip it in verse 8b. Remember the days of darkness, that's no sun. Remember the days of darkness will be many. Being young is like living in a forever springtime. And being old is like living in a forever wintertime. Everything is dark and, and you don't want to move. Dark days, winter days bring disappointments, discouragements, ailments. So while you're young and living these springtime years, verse 8, let him rejoice in them all. Now I need to stop here and give you a little helpful tool in interpreting this big text that is before us. Um, Some of you ask, Kyle, why do you not preach a chapter at a time? Sometimes you'll start in the middle of one chapter and then end in the middle of another one, like you're doing today. Well, I do that because chapter and verse divisions are man-made. They are not inspired. God didn't put them there. Man did. They're helpful at times, but not always. There is a unit of thought that begins in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 7, and then ends in chapter 12, verse 8. So I'm preaching the unit of thought. There are two commands in this section from which everything else hangs. The first command is chapter 11, verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. The second command is in chapter 12, verse 1. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Rejoice, remember. Those are hooks from which you can hang everything you will hear today. The rejoice hook, the remember hook. And once I've walked through these two hooks, I will gather up some applications for every age group at the end. So we're going to flesh out the rejoice hook first. Hook number one is this. Rejoice in the sweetness of life while you're young. Rejoice in the sweetness of life while you're young. Verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Rejoicing is a command from God. This verse commands you to rejoice. This is not optional for the Christian. God intends for us not only to live a life of faith, but to live a life of joy. It's a divine imperative. To break God's command is to trample on His holiness. This is not a shallow happiness that the world promises. This is a deep, abiding joy that the gospel gives. Is God really invested in your joy? The broad Christian community has many books on joy, but they don't seem to grasp the weight of joy. How is it that for centuries scholars and pastors have written creeds and confessions, but none dedicate major sections to joy? We've had church councils, but not one on the topic of joy. In C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters, the devilish writer cannot contain his disgust at the enemy's obsession with joy. He, he's a hedonist at heart, the demon cries. Not to drink deeply at the wells of joy is a sin. The world tells you Christianity is boring. It is no fun, no joy. Well, the whole point of Ecclesiastes is that that is one of the biggest ruses that has ever been perpetrated on humanity. You you don't know true rejoicing until you know God. And notice what the human author writes in verse 9b. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. Now, what type of wise man would ever tell a youth, whatever your eyes see that you want to do, whatever your eyes want to do, just do it. If something looks good to you, hey, just dive into it. I mean, you can literally translate this verse, follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. Who does this? (laughs) What kind of advice is this? It's like giving a 16 year old a sports car and hoping he will drive under the speed limit. We've got to be reading this verse incorrectly. Are we misreading it? What is the text saying? It is not saying. Live it up while you're young. It is not saying. Only you dignified people will get this. It is not saying. Party on, Wayne? Party on, Garth. It is not saying you're going to college, God will look the other way for four years. The author is certainly not advising licentious living. This is, this is not the best way to read the verse. And here's the qualifier. Notice the last part of verse 9. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. <laughs> this is literally the judgment. The great day when the Lord judges the secrets of men. The author is simply reminding young people that freedom has a fence. This is not an invitation to live sensually, but an invitation to innocent joy and youthhood. Enjoy life responsibly as God designed. Enjoy money and intimacy, but within the bounds of God's plan. Enjoy your early years thoroughly. Parents, when you give your boy a Buzz Lightyear and he unwraps it and he opens it and then he just drops it and never plays with it again, that's an affront to your love and affection. When God gives you the life-giving son, some delicious food, a respectable job, and you open it but don't rejoice in it, that's an affront to his love and affection. He wants to see you smiling with that little buzz light year and flying it around your little room. When you're grateful for the little things, it's only a short step to be grateful for everything. Uh, My youngest son loves food. It's his his love language. Uh, The other day he was eating some chicken nuggets at the table and he looked at Sarah and he said, Mmm. Mm, these chicken nuggets are like nuggets of gold. <laughs> Rejoice in the sweetness of life. These sun rays are sweet. These chicken nuggets are sweet. Uh, this garden is sweet. When you see life as sweet, it means, it, it, it is a means of worshiping God. Now, you youths, remember who that refers to, uh, 42 and under. You youths, verse 10, Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. For youth and the dawn of life are vanity. I like to translate the word vanity, smoke. Life passes by quickly. That's how fast youth disappears. Before you know it, you are 44, 45, 46, or a lot older. The phrase in the verse, the dawn of life, literally means black hair. As opposed to white hair of old age. One day your black hair will be smoke. It will disappear. Some of you can say amen to that. (laughs) While you still have a full head of black hair, the author says, remove vexation. The human author wants nothing to diminish joy while you are young. So he gives you instruction. Remove vexation. That's anything that causes you to worry, concern, anything that causes you anger, resentment, bitterness. These things easily live in your heart. Eliminate the bad things of life. Anything that a hard, disappointing world gives you. Live free from care as long as you can. Don't spend your youth worried about things that don't ultimately matter, like acne. One author author wrote, about the time your complexion finally clears up, your memory begins to go. So don't wait until the complexion clears up to rejoice and count things as sweet. The author also says, remove pain. The word pain in the original language hints at sin, more specifically sexual sin. Remove it from your youth. It's been a tragic failure of the older generation in our country to approve and applaud and promote and sell and endorse and glorify the sexual promiscuity of young people. And I think it's interesting that the human author, Solomon, will write more about sexual sin than just about any other topic. And he ought to know because it wasted decades of his life. Now we dealt with the rejoice hook. Now let's deal with the remember hook. Here's the hook. Remember your creator before your days of youth vanish. Verse one. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Alistair Begg, whom I just enjoy hearing his his Scottish accent, he has such a succinct way of summarizing this verse. He says, wise up, you're going to (laughs) die. I like it. The teacher says, remember your creator. Now what does that even mean? How do you do that? To remember God is not simply to recall the bare facts of his existence. Not remember in the sense you would remember vocab words for a test. But remember in the sense that you don't let the excitement about being young make you forget. Remember is an action. Now prove that. 1 Samuel 119, God remembered Hannah. Now, he did more than say, oh, yes, Hannah, I almost forgot her. No. When God remembered Hannah, he acted decisively on her behalf and gave her a baby. Remembering God produces resolutions to live for God. Remembering God produces resolutions to live for God. While you are young, enter into a relationship with God in the strength of your days because how quickly the strength and abilities of our youth leave us. The older you get, the more difficult life becomes with added responsibilities and challenges and pressures. Your body will begin to to act up in ways, in, in all kinds of ways. Inside every old person is a young person Wondering, what happened? (laughs) Enjoy the dawn and midday events of life because winter is coming. The teacher, now this is interesting, the teacher does not say, remember God. But instead, he says, remember your creator. Why? Remember your creator means you remember that God made a good world, not an evil world. We are the ones responsible for spoiling it not Him. The doctrine of creation is a wellspring of rejoicing. Verse 2. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. Church, do you hear it? Do you hear it? Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, do you hear it? Do you hear the echo? Echoes of Genesis. Echoes of creation. There's creation imagery all throughout the chapter. This is Genesis, but in reverse. Instead of creation, we have here de creation. In Genesis, we have the creation story. Here we have the unmaking of creation, the good order of God being reversed. The author is comparing old age to decreation. There was a process of creation. Now there is a process of decreation. But But aren't you thankful that it doesn't stay like that forever? God will enter another process of creation when he makes our bodies new in the resurrection. Now, what we're about to read is, is one of the most beautiful sections in Scripture. It uses an old decaying house to picture the deterioration of the aging body the human author is describing aging in a poetic way. And so what we're going to do is just take it a, a section at a time, verse 3. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble. Now this isn't speaking about actual guards. The keepers here it's it's the hands. The hands used to protect the body and provide for the body, keep the body, but now they just tremble. They have the shakes. The grip is weakened. He continues, and the strong men are bent. Solomon is referring to the former legs of marble, stout legs, strong legs, but now they're weak. The muscles slacken, the joints stiffen, the knees totter, legs bent in feebleness. In other words, serve the Lord while your legs are strong. He continues. And the grinders cease because they are few. (laughs) Now, without modern dental care, teeth would easily decay. And that's what happened in the ancient world. Your grinders become few. They weaken. You have soft teeth. And you know this. You sink your teeth into a tasty caramel apple. And then your teeth just stay there. Solomon says you're... You're you're not going to be able to eat corn on the cob forever. It's a short distance between getting paid for losing a tooth and then paying dearly for losing a tooth. Solomon continues to poetically describe the problems and ailments of growing old when he says, And those who look through the windows are dimmed. Your eyes just go bad in old age. You have blurry vision. You have to get a phone where, where you text and the letters are that big so you can see. Verse 4, and the doors on the street are shut. Now, Walter Kaiser believes this points to the lips where you can only, you know, soft food can be eaten. I believe it's pointing to hearing. Either way, it's a, it's a graphic illustration of what old age looks like as there are diminished capacity of motor skills. And one rises up at the sound of a bird, he says. Sleeping through the entire night is now a rare experience. You rise at the slightest sound in the house. He continues, and all the daughters of song are brought low. The vocal cords used, used to allow you to, to sing loudly, and they now quiver and shake. No longer elastic strength to, to make sweet music. Verse 5, they are afraid also of what is high and the terrors are in the way. Elderly people can be characterized by a lot of fear. There's increased anxiety, maybe even old age paranoia. Historically, many roads in Jerusalem were extremely steep and rutted and one could trip and fall or get knocked off balance by a passing donkey. So better for him to stay at home than to take a chance. Aging increases fears because the potential of physical harm is just so much greater. You could be jostled in the streets. Afraid of what is high, that's, that's afraid of heights. Driving at night raises concerns. Elderly people can receive one setback after another. They fall, they break a hip, and then they get pneumonia. And then there's the lack of income fear. And they can't physically defend themselves like they once could. There are lots of factors. Hear me. Getting old takes a lot of courage. The almond tree blossoms, Solomon says. Now the cultural almond tree had dark heads. But would turn white when it blossomed. And then the wind would come and blow the white blossoms away. So it went from black to white, to bald, much like hair, when the almond tree blossoms white. He continues in the verse, and the grasshopper drags itself along. Now, grasshoppers typically spring into the air, but this one is stiffly scraping itself along the ground, and he's a goner. He can't escape predators like that. And you see the simile, don't you? Instead of robust walking and jumping like in youth, it's hard to move around as you age. You shuffle your feet instead of taking steps. This dragging of the grasshopper points to the laborious walk of the elderly, suffering from arthritis and worn-out knees and worn-out hips. They're forced to hobble along like an ungainly grasshopper. No more skipping through life. We now drag ourselves through life, drag ourselves to the bank, drag ourselves to the store, drag ourselves to the church. Mobility is an issue with the elderly. They walk as if burdened down. And the reply of the aged Barzillai to to David's officer in, in 2 Samuel 19 says it well, and I quote, Am I this day 80 years old? Can I discern what is pleasant and what is not? Can your servant taste what he eats or what he drinks? Can I listen to the voice of singing men and singing women? This is what happens in old age. And he continues here, and desire fails. Now this is talking about the loss of sexual desire. And it is a bit humorous to me. That Grandpa Solomon says, I have no hair, I have no teeth, I can't see, I drag myself across the floor, but the last thing to go is my desire for intimacy. (laughs) I'm sure his wife was happy about that. One author told a humorous story of a couple in Florida who met and decided to get married. He was 82, she was 79. And as they discussed their wedding plans, they passed a large brand new pharmacy. So they pulled in. They went in and addressed the man behind the counter. We're getting married. Do you sell heart medication? He responded, yes, of course. What about medicine for circulation? All kinds. Medicine for rheumatism? Definitely. Medicine for arthritis and scoliosis. Oh, yes, whatever the doctor orders. What about vitamins and sleeping pills and Geritol? Absolutely. And and you've got a variety of wheelchairs and walkers. We've got all speeds and sizes. He said, well, that settles it. We want to use this store as our bridal registry. (laughs) From the end of verse 5 to verse 7, The author transitions. We're no longer talking about aging. We've gone further. Verse 5b. Because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. One day, the crumbling house will collapse, the grasshopper will stop dragging, the elderly die. You hear in this verse, professional mourners trained to lament at funerals. We go from aging to death. From dragging yourself to someone dragging you. Verse 6. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Now, what do we do with this verse? There are some scholars like D.A. Carson who think that the author is associating these household items with a part of the body. Um, he will say that the silver cord is the spinal marrow connecting brains and nerves, and the golden bowl is the skull, and the pitcher shattered is a failing heart. Now, uh, I, I, don't, I don't hold to that. I think the author is giving you a picture of three beautiful, valuable items And then showing you that despite the beauty, they are eventually destroyed. First, you have a golden lamp suspended by a silver chain. Secondly, you have a nice clay pitcher to retrieve water. Thirdly, you have a rope and a wheel apparatus that lowers into a well. See, Israel had long, dry summers and fountains or wells were were needed. And here's the lesson. All three beautiful things are eventually destroyed. These are all images of death. Human life then is the precious lamp, the golden bowl, and the wheel apparatus. Life, lovely while it lasts, is soon over. Life as we know it, precious and beautiful, ends. Ends. Verse 7, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. From dust we were created, and to dust we shall return. The body is put back in the same ground it came from. The Spirit returns to God who first breathed it. You see, you can pick up again the creation language. A reversal of creation, a dissolution of humanity. Now, that's the exposition. That's the exposition. Now the application. I have four applications geared toward certain age groups. And the first application is for children and teenagers. So if you're a child and a teenager, listen up. The application is this. Don't wait. Don't wait to follow hard after Jesus. I'm talking to you if you're seven or 17, if you're a preteen or a late teen. Lig Duncan pointed out that it's a statistical fact that most of those who will not live for their Creator in the days of their youth will never live for Him. Something like 99% of people who ever become Christians are Christians before they're 28. If you won't live for your Creator in the days of your youth, chances are you'll never, ever live for Him. Three times in the text, Solomon says, live for him before. Live for him before. Live for him before. Before you go to middle school. Before you get to high school. Before you go to college. Young people, don't wait to take your faith seriously. Take it seriously now. Don't wait to read your Bible every day. Don't wait to develop a prayer life. Don't wait to learn to study the Bible. They say, Pastor Kyle, I I don't know how to do those things. Well, you come and talk to any of the pastors or the pastor's wives, or you ask the parents to talk to us, and we will assign a a woman if you're a little girl or a man if you're a young man that will teach you these things. Young people... This is why we aren't entertaining you. This is why we have you in here with the adults, in the worship service. We aren't playing around with your eternal soul. We want you to follow Jesus deeply. Multiple times a year, we have people leave this church because we don't do more activities for children. More activities for their kids. Multiple times a year. Now, why does that happen multiple times a year, yet the elders do not change a thing? Because it's a conviction. It's a conviction that you, 7 to 17, need to be in here. This is your church. I had a, I had a college student from our church text me last week. And I was just checking on spiritually how he's doing. And he began talking about the Bible studies he's in, the accountability groups that he's in, his own personal Bible reading. And I told him, I, I'm glad you're pursuing the Lord in your college years. And he texted back, like you told me before I left, I can't rest on my parents' faith. I have to make it my own. Kids, you can't go back and live youth again. Youth is not a time to avoid God. It is a time to give your life to God. And besides that, you can't wait. You can't wait to remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Because chances are you're going you're to date an idiot or choose the wrong friends or make some wrong choices. And these bad choices will have repercussions for the next 30 years. Remember the creator and the days of your youth. Application number two. For 20s, 30s, and 40s, you're going to miss your current stage in life you're going to miss your current stage in life. Now, for all of you that like classical music, there's quite a few of you in our church, uh, you need to be prepared for what I'm about to give you because it's going to be high class, elegant, dignified. This is it. There's a a country song (laughs) that tells a story. (laughs) It begins with a little girl in an SUV staring at her classmates going into the school building. And she says to her mom, I can't wait to turn 18 so I don't have to go to school and I can make my own rules. Her mother kisses her head and says, you're going to miss this. You're going to want this back. You're going to wish these days hadn't gone by so fast. The next verse in the song fast forwards the timeline. And before she knows it, she's a brand new bride in a one room apartment. Her daddy stops by and says, this is such a nice little place you two have here. She says, "Uh, it'll do for now. And then she starts talking about having babies and buying a bigger house. And the dad shakes his head and says, darling, just slow down. You're going to miss this. You're going to want this back. You're going to wish these days hadn't gone by so fast. These are good times. So take a good look around. You may not know it now, but you're going to miss this. Next verse, fast forwards, five years later, there's a plumber working on the water heater. And there's dogs barking and phones ringing and one child is crying and another child is screaming and and she keeps apologizing. And the old plumber says, they don't bother me. I've got two babies of my own. One's 36, one's 23. It's hard to believe, but you're going to miss this. You're going to want this back. You're going to wish these days hadn't gone by so fast. Now, I decided to read those lyrics instead of sing it, but I'm telling you, I can kill that song. I can kill it. You're like, is that, is my pastor Garth Brooks? Um, Most conversations from my mentors lately have been this. Slow down and enjoy each stage of life. Don't rush them, Kyle. Cherish them. Other things can wait. Things are crazy right now. I know they're crazy right now, but you're going to miss this. For you 20s and 30s, don't wish your youth away. As Solomon instructs you, rejoice in them. Bank them before your body starts to deteriorate. When you stay in the moment and rejoice in that moment, It is a form of worship. You are obeying God's command to rejoice. Application number three. This is for 50 and up. And you're like, I already read it, Kyle. I don't like it. But it's there. You will begin to struggle with health problems. You will. Saints bodily deterioration isn't pleasant and what you're beginning to face or you're currently facing it isn't a blessed walk in the park you're going to forget things that you never thought you would forget you're going to be limited in ways that you never thought you would be limited growing old is hard and the bible is honest about that but you must remember aging is meaningful with jesus Aging is meaningful with Jesus. Be encouraged by the beauty of this biblical poem. The author of this text, which is ultimately God, is ascribing dignity to aging. 50 and up, body breaking down. You're still needed, you're still valuable. Someone may take your job. Someone may step in your role and and you're forced to step out. This doesn't devalue you. This doesn't make you less needed, less loved, less valued. I want you to know that we've prayed for you. Prayed for you to come to this church. For years, we've been praying we would get older as a church. We've existed long enough as a young person's church. And we recently had an influx of older Christians, and we couldn't be happier and more excited about this. We need you older ladies to walk some of our mature ladies through menopause. Some of you older ladies to walk some of our younger ladies through wifing. We need some of you older men to walk some of our younger men through not getting their worth from how they perform at their job. We need some of you older single adults to teach some of our younger single adults how to live a holy life for the glory of God. We need you parents who have raised children to help those of us who are raising children because we have no idea what we're doing. Now that we have a healthier age split, (laughs) what I don't want to happen is this for the older people to gather together and pull their wisdom and for the younger people to gather together and pull their stupidity. We we have a marriage class going on right now and you older couples, you know, you need to get in it so you can help some of these younger couples. All right. Now back to your body breaking down and eventually dying. I know that may sound harsh, but it is a reality that we must face. It's not a bad idea to completely plan out your entire funeral. Songs you want, speakers you want, where it will happen, all of that. I asked Sarah recently if I could preach my own funeral. You know, record myself on a video and then play it. And Sarah, which you obviously agree with her, she thinks it's weird and controlling. But I know what I want said. And I don't trust any of you with the mic. Not one. It's not a bad idea to have your affairs in order so your kids won't fight and argue about it. And tell them, walk it out with them, what it looks like, who's getting what. Now I know that sounds morbid to some of you. But at least I'm not John Donne, that English poet and pastor who lived in the 1600s. He bought a coffin and placed it in his bedroom. And occasionally he would sleep in it. No, not happening. She's not, she's not letting me do that. <laughs> Dear saint, I love you. You're going to die. Death was not part of God's original design. It's an intruder in the world. But be comforted. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. If you've repented of your sins and banked your eternity in Christ, God will come for you in death. Application number four. For 50 and up, you guys get two applications. Here's the application. Learn to be joyful in your old age. Resist the urge to be a grumpy pants and choose to rejoice. I have four grandmothers, so you don't know which one I'm about to speak on but I have a grandmother who is just a grumpy pants. She's always in a bad mood. I love her to death, but sometimes I want to face death after hearing her complain. And whenever I'm around a bitter saint, which is actually an oxymoron, uh, whenever I'm around a bitter saint, someone who's, who always has something to complain about, I'll often ask first thing, what are you rejoicing in today? What are you rejoicing in today? C.S. Lewis, who um, lived through World War II and lived through the loss of his wife to cancer, said, and I quote, it is the Christian's duty to be as happy as he can be. Be a sweet elderly person, not a complaining elderly person. Be an elderly person who is always finding the positive and not always finding the negative. Be someone who's always seeing grace. Fight becoming a grumpy old man or a grumpy old woman. Always complaining, always finding fault. Being alive under the sun can be sweet. Chapter 11, verse 7. Being alive under the sun can be sweet. Being alive under the sun can also be drudgery. The rest of the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes has made both points. Now, we have some of the sweetest elderly people I've ever met in this church. True servants, true encouragers, true grace finders. And I'm so glad that I get to walk through this Christian life with you. You say, Kyle, (laughs) Kyle, you're a young grasshopper. You don't know what I face to make me like this. Well, I may not understand everything, But I understand more than you think I do. I see how the culture treats you. That doesn't escape me. Our culture is unique among many other cultures in the world because we do not prize age. You should be honored, but instead you're marginalized. But you have to answer the question every day, how do I get myself happy in the Lord? How do I get myself happy in the Lord? Well, you may not want to hear from a 34-year-old Kyle Sharon, so listen to a 71-year-old George Mueller. He writes, It is absolutely needful in order that happiness in the Lord may continue, that the Scriptures be regularly read. These are God's appointed means for the nourishment of the inner man. Consider it and ponder over it, Especially, we should read regularly through the Scriptures consecutively, and not pick out here and there a chapter. If we do, we will remain spiritual dwarfs. I tell you so affectionately. He goes on to say, for the first four years after my conversion, I made no progress because I neglected the Bible. But when I regularly read on through the whole with reference to my own heart and soul, I began to make progress. Now, I've been doing this for 47 years, and my peace and joy have increased more and more. Well, thank you, 71-year-old happy George Mueller. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Stay happy in the Lord in the days of your old age. Thank you for listening to this resource of Faith Family Church. We gather on Sundays at 495 Hugh Hunter Road in Oak Grove, Kentucky, and are a short drive from Fort Campbell and Hopkinsville, Kentucky, as well as Clarksville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website, myfaithfamilychurch.com.